Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Marcy, and this week I'm joined by Almar Latour. Almar is uh, the publisher of Barron's Group, and that is home to not just Barron's, but also MarketWatch, Mansion Global, Financial News, and Penta. You got that. Okay, Penta, yes. great. Well Almar, done. thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Okay, so um, I went through some of the properties, but give us like an overview of of this group and, and how it fits within within Dow Jones. Yeah. Think of the group as a financial decision-making platform. Uh, we have a large number of readers and users who have... Uh, a, questions about how they, what, what action they should take in uh, response to what they see on the news. And we help provide that answer. Um, whether you're a, a beginner um, or all the way up to a billionaire or people in between who are you know, on their first job or uh, are mid-career, you know, there will be different types of of questions uh, that you have. And, and so, as it so happens, each piece of, of this group has a piece of that answer. Um, so Barron's um, often uh, um, has readers that are uh, wealthier, are very, very serious about the market. Um, financial news has professional readers and is uh, uh, covering the financial industry. MarketWatch is uh, highly accessible and reaches a, a, a large number of people, uh, mainly in the U.S. And so together, we, we try to provide answers, no matter which stage of your financial cycle you're in, to, uh, to help you make that decision. So that's the idea of the group. The group was created about three years ago, uh, mm -hmm. to help drive growth, um, help focus on digital, uh, to help strengthen these often iconic titles and, and, and legacy brands and help them function really well in, uh, in, in, the, in the digital age and to become more entrepreneurial, like fundamentally think differently about how we run that business. And so fast forward and we're in a, in a very different environment uh, with this group than we were three years ago. We're growing on membership and subscriptions. We're growing uh, in advertising. We're, our audience is up. And, and so uh, that's mm -hmm. so our group in a nutshell. But I mean, I, one of the big difference between now versus three years ago is many more people are talking about membership slash subscriptions. I mean, I think these titles are all different, but all of them are, are many of them are made for sort of memberships. Um, I mean, Barron's is, is mostly subscription driven, right? Yes. Well, it has, advertising is a substantial component of what, uh, what, what Barron's does and a, and a growing one and one that's changing. But, but I think underlying uh, the, the Barron's subscriptions and uh, it is really a community. Uh, and it also goes for some of our other properties and titles. Uh, they're really communities uh, of, of people who are uh, seeking answers to f big financial questions, depending on where they are in the financial life cycle. And we provide them two things. Uh, we provide them convening power. So we convene uh, them, bring them together, uh, uh, connect them with each other or with experts. And we bring them expertise so when they need it and, and, and the form that they are um, uh, asking for it. And, and that's, again, different today than it was a few years ago. But yes, definitely um, mm -hmm. subscriptions has, have traditionally been part of 
our business model, but uh, we are leaning into membership and community building uh, in new mm-hmm. ways and in different ways uh, than before. And it would seem like events would become a, a much bigger part of the mix if if you're thinking about memberships, and I, I hear memberships a lot throughout News Corp, actually, um, versus subscriptions. And I think to deliver on membership, you need communities. You need to activate those communities in some way. Yes, absolutely. And so th- that's exactly what we do, whether uh, those communities are in West Palm Beach uh, and they're financial advisors who talk to one another a couple of times a year, brought there by barons, discussing the, uh, the, the issues of the day, um, uh, things that are pertinent to uh, uh, them having to uh, them do their jobs well, or uh, communities internationally in China or in Australia or in London or soon in Switzerland, where we're, we're mm-hmm. also bringing people in that sphere uh, together with one another uh, uh, based on our network, our convening power, and our expertise. Mm-hmm. So explain the plans to internationalize the brand. I mean, Barron's is always, at least I've thought of it as, as a, an American brand. Yeah, it's, uh, I would say, an, an American icon. Uh, but as it turns out, the, the, it, it, it answers a lot of questions that people have uh, in other parts of the world, right? It's as important to know how to think about the trade war uh, here uh, for an investor, as yeah. it is in in China or other parts, and so it's having a big impact in Germany. Oh, well, there right? you go, right? And, you go. and so that impact, you know, uh, we assess and we help you think about which actions you should take and which opportunities you might have, which threats you might face um, as an investor or somebody who is moving into corporate world and has to make decisions. And and so that's the premise for us. Uh, going outside the borders of the U.S. is that there is a global community and there are many different types of global communities that very much want this type of information. And you know, we're about 18 months into uh, pushing that. And we, we see that demand only uh, increase. Mm-hmm. And, and we're serving it up in ways that people want it there. Yeah. And, uh, but do people know the brand? I mean, if it's in Switzerland or Australia or Hong Kong. Yeah, people who have, yeah, in that highly international yeah. and global community, uh, people have usually cycled through either London or, uh, or, right. uh, or the U.S. in some form, either professionally or through schooling. And, and, and so in, in that community, it, it is known. It's, it's our task to make it even better known. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the core is uh, that they are seeking answers and not everyone provides them the way that we do with the whole group, frankly, not just parents. Mm-hmm. Does that have to change the approach to, to be less U.S. centric? I mean, you've, you've had a very international career. Seven right? countries. Seven uh, countries. Yeah. I'm sure when you come to the U.S. and you talk to Americans, they're very like U.S. centric because this is a very big market, a very deep market. Um, and it's very easy to get U.S. centric here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's harder when you're in other other countries that aren't as big as the U.S. Yeah. Um, but does the brand need to change to be less like U.S. centric and be more global in its in its view? Well, think about all the the big questions uh, that that we're asking, right? That people are asking. The trade war is fundamentally a global story, so we have to be in our coverage and in our approach and everything that we do. We have to be international to cover that well, right? 
capital moves around the world, and so that's international by nature. Different economies move at different speeds, which has an impact on, on the U.S. So just to cover the U.S. well, we have to have an international perspective. And then outside the U.S., people are highly interested in how to think about what Washington is doing, what Wall Street is doing, what's happening in Silicon Valley, and how that impacts their portfolios and their thinking about investment or they're thinking about running their own companies. And and so I think there there is a, a big important question out there that many people internationally hold that, that is very similar to the one that American investors and readers and users of Barron's and mm-hmm. MarketWatch hold. So the change is more on accommodating that with our business and making sure that we're offering it on platforms that are accessible there. Yeah. So how does the, um, the gyrations of the market impact? I mean, we're at the, maybe we're at the end of a, an incredibly long bull market, but is this like one where Barron's is just as valuable, like whether it's driven by greed or fear? When there are threats and people yeah. feel them, then the, I would say the value is even greater than, okay, uh, so it's than not before. Bad, so. No, so so people people I'm are. Like walking, we're walking by the TVs here. It's like CNN has like I think they've like trademarked like recession watch like 2019. Like I mean, it just seems like they're going to will a recession in um, with just this like minute coverage of I don't know RV sales are down. And apparently, that means we're having a recession. Well, uh, that's CNN, and we, we, <laughs> we, one of our covers uh, recently, uh, which then had many digital follow-up stories and and such, was uh, "Keep Calm," and it was actually uh, written with a Chinese, uh, with a, uh, in Chinese on, on the cover with an English translation, and you know, at that point, it was a, a moment like you just described, where people were you know, freaking out about yeah. what's, what's happening. And so the keeping calm. So if you look at when Barron said that and the gyrations that you saw in between, it was probably good to keep calm as an investor because you know, we're sort of more or less where we were back then. And so um, that's a role that, that Barron's fulfills. It's also a role that MarketWatch mm-hmm. in its own way fulfills. But MarketWatch, just to move to MarketWatch, yes. MarketWatch seems more, obviously it's more accessible w- without a doubt. Um, a lot of like list type articles, um, very approachable, a lot of stuff about personal finance and being, you know, getting control of your financial lives. Yeah. Um, Really important, uh, information there that they provide every day. Okay. So that is more of, I don't want to call it like an entry level product, but it's, it's definitely more mass. Well, yeah, I, I, don't like those words. I think yeah, accessible okay. as, as I already as use better. accessible. I yeah, use no, word. yeah, I like that word you chose. <laughs> you chose a, a good word in using accessible. And I, I say that because it's not just beginners. There's a contingent of beginners. There's a people. There's a there's a group of people who mm-hmm. are in the middle of their career and they have also important personal finance yeah. decisions to make. And then there are people who are deeply invested in the market and use market watch more or less like a terminal and they keep it on their screens yeah. or on their phones and, and are but interacting that's less with less of a focus now than like, I remember the, you mean doc, the day trading, the dot com day trading days when like Yahoo finance and market watch oh, were probably more involved. Yeah. And I, I'm not as much referencing that or not at all. Frankly, it, what, what I'm talking about is the reader, reader behavior that we mm-hmm. witness. So this is just a statement of fact that we, we do see an intensity and, there's a community and multiple communities within MarketWatch that 
value that content to such a degree that they're on that site a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's all I'm saying. So what are the type of communities that a market watch would, would attract? Well, so I, I just described three life stages. And so I, I would say there are uh, yeah, groups of people in, in life stages that uh, you know, have each have different types of questions to answer and, and we're there for, uh, for them when they ask those questions. So whether that's signing your first mortgage mm-hmm. or you considering uh, how to handle healthcare when you're retiring, um, you know, those are two different life stages in the financial cycle, but MarketWatch will have answers. And, and so uh, I use the word community because there are many people tapping in uh, with questions and, and our reporters are interacting with those communities a lot. Um, and then those people start interacting with one another. Mm-hmm. I think one very popular example of that right now is um, Katie Hill, uh, a terrific uh, reporter at MarketWatch, is writing a lot about Americans retiring abroad or moving abroad and and uh, supplying the whole cost picture. Yeah. And she was just telling me this morning that she had not seen in her uh, considerable career uh, this level of enthusiasm for you know how do i uh, uh, move to spain and what 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 does it take to um, get healthcare in spain and so very concrete questions um and then she put those people together through uh, uh, whatsapp and so, so there there is a hmm. there are little communities bigger communities and definitely addressable audiences that are um very distinct and and very much connected to what we cover. Okay. Um, how has that impacted the business model? I think of MarketWatch as more ad-driven um, than subs-driven. Yeah. No, the, that's uh, the, the situation today, most certainly. And MarketWatch has been growing and growing mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, so ads past are growing. still a good business. Very good for MarketWatch. Okay. Yeah, and and very, very good for the group. Right, so as I told you at the start, we're growing um, we see, we're seeing growth in advertising. We're seeing growth in membership. We're uh, we're seeing growth in audience. So, yes, advertising is is uh, the most important component for for MarketWatch. But there is a de facto paywall um, where all of Barron's now runs on MarketWatch behind a wall, mm-hmm. and and so we're uh, getting the superpowers from each of the brands. Right, MarketWatch has has reach and has many many different communities and. Barron's has premium value. Uh, we're exposing many, many more readers to the value, for example, that Barron's mm-hmm. has to offer. Moreover, we have you know, newsletters uh, that that are uh, mm-hmm. investment focused that are also on Market Watch. As uh, as we continue, we will um, we will definitely look at those communities and and uh, see if they not just act like a membership but de facto become a, a membership uh, right. community. And now a quick word from our sponsor. What if you could reach the right professionals the right way? Imagine the best place for marketers, a place where you stand out, a place that has exactly the people you're looking for, and even better, they're looking for you. That would be a place like LinkedIn. Better targeting equals a message your customers care about, which in turn leads to more trust built with your customers. In fact, there are 62 million business decision makers on LinkedIn. So you're building relationships that really matter. And according to a recent survey, 71% of people use information from LinkedIn to make informed business decisions. That's a lot. 
To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash digiday. That is linkedin.com slash digiday. For your free $100 ad credit, terms and conditions apply. Now back to the episode. And that could mean a meter or some kind of like the core content being in some way limited to drive more membership slash subscription. Anything is on the table. So uh, uh, being entrepreneurial and, and taking risks and challenging the status quo was part of why this group was created. So we will look at all of the above um, and we will ask ourselves that question now and, and, and again in, in a couple of years. But that, that is definitely part of the possibilities and you'll be the first one I'll call when that happens. <laughs> well, we'll record multiple podcasts about it. Um, so finally, I want to talk about is um, y- you began uh, your career as a journalist. I mean, most of your career was a journalist. Um, and now you're more on the business side. Mm-hmm. What, if any, have been the benefits of, <laughs> of having been a journalist and then, um, you know, and even writing about business, but then like, you know, having to, to be in charge of it? Yeah. Well, my career was very international, so having a global perspective is, um, is something that I brought to the business with me, and that is uh, very helpful right now. As a journalist, as you know, you're always asking questions and you're looking beyond what you're presented. That is an important element in business, and to uh, keep on asking the question, not accepting the, the, the status quo, and understanding that sometimes the reality is a lot more complex than it, than it appears to be, is also fundamental to business. And, and last, I think, you, as, as a journalist, you have to come at your stories with a, a level of humility, that you don't have all the answers, uh, you don't uh, maybe have all the right questions yet, and so you're going to have to be very much attuned to what's happening around you, what people are telling you. And I think humility is a great, mm-hmm. great quality to have in business. So um, and then it, digital has brought such a shock to, to media. And so having experienced that and also having mm-hmm. led that uh, by leading the Wall Street Journal Digital um, yeah, has uh, definitely offered me lessons that I'm deploying today. Any habits you had to shake? Well, the one I don't want to shake is reading, reading, reading. <laughs> and so I still find myself uh, uh, reading possibly to a fault. Okay. Yeah. All right, Omar, thank you. Thank you for uh, your patience as we recorded this multiple times. Actually, we did this once, but I didn't actually hit record. And so we did it again. I, I enjoyed it not just once, but twice. <laughs> okay. So thank you very much. And thank you all for listening for the first time. And we'll be back next week with a new episode that will be executed flawlessly. Thank you. Thank you.